Welcome to another episode of This Catholic Life, conversations about life's ups and downs, big and small, how we deal with every situation imaginable, whatever life throws at us, but still manage to be sensible, practical, and joyful. Today we talk to John McCarthy QC, Australia's Ambassador to the Holy See from 2012 to 2016, prominent senior barrister in Australia, former Pro-Chancellor to the University of Sydney, trustee of the Sydney Cricket Ground, married to Christine, with six children, one of which is Father James McCarthy, who is the parish priest down at Cronulla. Most importantly for today's discussion, he is the chair of the Sydney Archdiocese Anti-Slavery Task Force and also an executive member of the Australian Catholic Anti-Slavery Network. Uh, joining me also for the discussion today is Ryan Galliott, our artist, resident geek and co-host. Hello. Thank you, Peter. So welcome, John. Thank you very much for taking the time to come and speak to us today. I guess I'd lead off with the question of what got you into this? I mean, you've done quite a rem- – we only listed the the high points of your career. You've had massive involvement all over the place. But um, what got you into the anti-slavery thing? I suppose in shorthand terms, I'd say Pope Francis. Uh, but it, it arose out of uh, service in Rome as the ambassador. Right. Uh, prior to uh, going to Rome and uh, – to a life in diplomacy, uh, I knew what slavery was. Uh, I knew it in general terms. Uh, I knew the criminal law in Australia. I really had not come to grips with what a significant and tragic personal and social and contemporary problem that this was. And this came out to me uh, through my service uh, over four years in Rome. Uh, The principal teacher was Pope Francis himself. Mm. Pope Francis had uh, much experience with this in uh, uh, Argentina, in Buenos Aires, which is a hub of human trafficking. Right. Uh, He announced this as the first social objective of his uh, pontificate. I was there in Rome. I heard it. And uh, I attended conferences that he uh, uh, had engendered in Rome on this particular issue. And I became more and more concerned about the size and and depth of this problem and the fact that it was getting larger and not smaller and that more had to be done about it. It was also clear it was a human problem, a man-made problem, and uh, that that could be undone at that that particular level. And I was looking for ways in which this can be worked. And the big thing that uh, the Holy Father talks about, his Roman advisors talk about, those at the core of the eradication uh, uh, fight in the world talk about, is cutting the money off. If there's no money, it's a $150 billion industry that we are talking about. We're talking about 40 million people. We're talking about men, women, and children. We're Mm. talking about 16 million people in ordinary supply chains who are supplying goods and services to us, such as 
much of the equipment here or what we're wearing uh, or what we're sitting on, mm-hmm. uh, and all of it uh, is in a, uh, uh, under uh, terms and conditions that amount to forced labour over, over that. That's an important point you raised there. A lot of us would, the casual listener who hasn't really thought about this, um, you would have probably had more engagement than the average Australian because through law, et cetera. But the average person isn't thinking a great deal about these things. They go and buy a shirt or they go and buy some food or whatever they do. Most of us think of it as an overseas problem, a problem for those countries over there. But can you give us a little bit of an insight into how it impacts the average person? Well, on some surveys, there's 15,000 people in Australia who are in slavery or forced labour conditions. So there's slaves in Australia. There are slaves in Australia. They can be found in agriculture. They can be found in restaurants. They can be found in brothels. They can be found uh, in factories uh, in, uh, in this country. It is a significant problem that needs to be dealt with. But the uh, main exposure of ordinary Australians that you were talking about is in relation to the goods and services that they usually have. The clothes they wear, the shoes, Mm, the coffee you drink, uh, all of this. Unwittingly, all of us buy goods and service where we don't know what their provenance is, and we could be giving money to criminals. Right. Or worse, we could be contributing to the, the slave conditions that these people... Well, it's certainly, and certainly in relation to that. And the other thing is that we forget other badges that we wear. This is a great and free country, a democracy. Uh, we have governments under the rule of law, and we have governments uh, with... Uh, 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 authorised expenditures. Where governments do not properly investigate where they're procuring goods and services, and let me tell you, the Commonwealth Government is the biggest procurer of goods and services in this country. Mm. It's followed by the New South Wales Government, (laughs) and you move down, but it also includes the Catholic Church. Mm. Now, because aren't we the, the largest provider that's not government? We certainly are. Right. Yeah, because of the school system. Right. Uh, uh, the the Australia and is uh, the the Catholic Church is the biggest employer right. outside of the public sector uh, oh, in in uh, mm. uh, in Australia. Uh, oh, in the five million, uh, th- there is uh, 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 over. Uh, uh, 2,000 schools that Australia right. has, yep. and uh, uh, it, it's, a, uh, uh, it's, a very, it's a very big factor. And within that, their, their purchasing power is immense. Um, that's something that the bishops are becoming more and more conscious of, right. and more and more conscious of the fact that if they do nothing about their own supply chains, how are they morally able to face their own people mm. on this issue? And secondly, to turn to the parliament and turn to the government and say, do something about public procurement. Right. Or, and to corporations, do something about where you, where you get your, uh, your goods and services from if you're not doing it, uh, if you're not doing it yourself. It is an opportunity, though, to, to step forward and actually no, set no. an example, isn't the it? Church, the church adopted a policy through Archbishop Fisher 
in the Archdiocese of Sydney, ahead of the state government, ahead of the federal government, right. and ahead of corporate Australia. When I returned uh, from uh, uh, Rome in 2016 and saw and spoke to Archbishop Fisher, he was prepared to start there. He, he, he believed, because it is, as he said, simplicity itself, on this issue, there is no difficulty in respect of Catholic principle. We do not support in any way the exploitation of other human beings right. and people who are being exploited through forced labour and modern slavery. We move to free. We don't move to support those who are their uh, oppressors. Right. And we say that we believe the Australian people thinks the same way and would want that in relation to public expenditure and would want corporations in Australia mm. to act in the same in the same way. I think that's – wouldn't you say that, Ryan? That's pretty accurate. The average Aussie, no matter what they think about other things, doesn't want to mistreat someone in that way. Yeah. And so it kind of slides by us because we're unaware of the, sure. the slavery hidden under the corporate sort of and, machine. And the great thing about the Pope is the Pope united the world through Sustainable Development Goal 8.7 uh, for the eradication of modern slavery and human trafficking in our generation. He's put the challenge out there to everyone in our generation that we improve the world in this way. Right. And uh, he has said uh, under the SDG, uh, or the SDG says, this is by 2030. So we've got 10 years to go. Wow. We've 10, 10 years to get organised. And it's got to be something that there's determination about that this is a priority that we can achieve, that this is something that can be, uh, can be brought about. Why it's important is this, because people can say, oh, well, you know, we can do what we can, but, uh, you know, it may not be reached, etc. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I say to everyone this, last year I was in... Greenwich, Massachusetts. Our third daughter and fifth child is married to an American and she lives in Greenwich. In March last year, she had her third daughter, our, uh, another grandchild. Congratulations. Thank you. Mm. That granddaughter will never be a slave. Never be a slave. But there were many little girls and little boys who were born on that day that if we don't take steps in relation to goods and services in our world of cutting money off from, yeah. uh, from criminals and those that exploit, there will be boys and girls in the next generation who will be slaves and the subjects of false slavery. You said before that the problem of slavery you you were surprised to discover was actually increasing, not decreasing. Yes, it is. And and one thing you said before we come on air, and I want to tease it out a little bit more. You said buying a ten dollars shirt has consequences. Well, I actually said that buying a five or a ten dollar t shirt 
look out, there's a story. Good point. Good point. There's a story associated with that. If you are seeing cheap goods around the place, serious questions can be asked as to what is happening in respect of mm. this. How is it possible that this shirt That's got right. here by paying someone a now, just wage? I don't I don't pretend as uh, indeed Archbishop Fisher does not pretend that if we turned all our personal habits and buying with the Pope says is a moral decision, even if we change that, that we're starting to change the procurement. Most of us do not have that levels of uh, of goods and services that we can, even collectively, uh, we can affect. But we can affect the whole atmosphere right. in which goods and services are sold, in which prosecutions go forward. You would be disappointed that in Australia there have been few convictions in relation to modern, sla uh, modern slavery offences uh, mm. over the last 10 years and that worldwide, uh, in relation to the number of people that are in forced labour and modern slavery, the number of prosecutions is minuscule. Right. We will not prosecute our way to the end of modern slavery and to the eradication of modern slavery and human trafficking. Do you think that's a fault in the law or the or the will to pursue it? Um, I think it's there are difficulties on all fronts. Okay, but right. but but uh, one of the things that we do know: human trafficking and forced labour need an atmosphere where they are not pursued. So we're indifferent the, to them. Yeah. yeah, if there are uh, these people are cowards, mm. they'll make money out of this while they think they can make money out of this yeah. out of these people. If if it's proclaimed, if banks, if governments, if churches, if large groups of individuals say about goods and services that certain suppliers have or own or maintain, we don't want to buy from you. Yeah. We don't want to buy from you. They'll change. Right. They'll change in a hurry over uh, even over, over the bad of optics of it. Yeah. 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 Um, but one of the things about it is this: it will not happen unless we have a moral determination that this is wrong and this is a wrong that we must we must right, right. that we yeah. must see that this comes about that there isn't another generation out there that is in modern slavery and human trafficking. I mean, mm. I think, my own view, that much of the rea reaction to this of indifferentism, which Pope Francis identifies on this and other things and, and disposable people and so on, has a real racist tinge to it. Right. Okay. A real racist tinge oh. to it. Let's let's pick that up a little bit. Um, uh, uh, Ryan's had experience all over the world, but well, compared here, to me, here compared to me, yeah. <laughs> let's see. Uh, but in some countries, would you say that you've seen this or you've heard of this, Ryan? Because um, you've been in the Philippines, you've been in other places. Like yeah, that. I mean, um, 
lived with the poor in the Philippines a few times, um, done some mission trips, um, mm. even lived in Africa for a little while. Right. Um, definitely, you, you can see the people who, who live in the slums and they work for a long time for such a minuscule amount of money, they have to support a family. Mm. Um, and it's it it drives a mentality as well that perpetuates it because, you know, for us in a first world, or sorry, a developed country, we, we talk about, well, we have to put schooling, education, and formation first, and that helps us to get a better future. With these families I've lived with, it was, where do I get the next meal for my family? Right. So I'll, I'll, my son will skip school if he has to for the next week to sell these things to get more money. Mm. Um, and it's not something, and what you're talking about, John, um, is the, the, that awareness of our own agency as consumers, as people, and that social responsibility to really... Uh, know the power that we have. I guess um, it's something that really I was awoken to when I when I started living with the poor. One of the things that came up to me when I was thinking and talking about this with some people overseas, especially in the states, is that a lot of the people buying the cheap shirts and the cheap things in the states can't afford to buy the more expensive ones because they mm. themselves are under economic pressure. And so, it, would you say that it's a it's an even broader conversation in Australia? We have an, a a lot better economic situation for the average person, I'd say, than, than over there. But um, would you say it's an, a problem that's not just, I mean, th that we can't just switch to buying a different shirt and fix it? Um, I think you've mentioned that already, but there's- I did. Mm. Uh, I, I'm not putting pressure on consumers as right. such. Mm. And those that want a consumer-led thing, uh, look, we have in the Archdiocese uh, shop for good. Right. We can- guarantee you that if you buy a certain range of products, uh, and this goes through our schools and, yep. and, and our parishes, um, those goods will be slavery-free. We'll put a link to that in the show notes, dear listener, and we'll, we'll make sure that link's yeah. there for you. Uh, but this is to support the Archdiocese of Sydney, which has a, uh, uh, a procurement policy Mm -hmm. A procurement uh, uh, budget in excess of one hundred and fifty million dollars, right? And it's it's one of the biggest in in uh, uh, in New South Wales, right? Uh, over over that, that's the including big the big corporations, system. the big government. Yeah. You know, if you if you are asking who if you if you are lining up and saying who can change this, mm. the answers are government both as procurers and as parliaments who can pass laws. Yep. Big banks who don't lend money mm -hmm. to people who can't establish that their goods, their operations and their supply chains are free of modern slavery and human trafficking. And thirdly, large corporations. If those three moved along with the big non-profits in Australia, which, are the, uh, which is, includes the universities and uh, uh, some of the churches, but particularly the Catholic Church, uh, if that came about, we will be the first country in the world which will eradicate modern slavery and human trafficking. Mm -hmm. And that's what Archbishop Fisher and many, many others in this country patriotic, uh, strong-minded people 
would like to see. Australia mm. can actually lead the world on this particular issue. And the question is, if we can, then why wouldn't we? Yeah, exactly. And, and it's not a partisan issue. <laughs> both sides of both sides of politics yeah. have uh, very strong views about this. And the top of business, Jennifer Westacott. Uh, of the BCA and so on, have made clear that the idea that the future of a free economy is with corporations that make profits out of the exploitation of people is simply to bring the system crashing down. Well, what's likely to stop it then? I mean, if, if we have this goal and everyone's on board and everyone agrees, what are the pressures um, on perhaps on the parliament or on others is it just that it costs more, or is there a lack of will, or are there, there subtle business pressures? I, I think I think there's there are there is inertia about everything. Right. Okay. Never underestimate inertia. Right. Secondly, uh, there has to be organisation and determination to do something. In other words, it's got to be a priority issue. Right. Yeah. Uh, we are often emboldened by the fact of recent years of the way in which those uh, in favour of climate change and climate protection have made this a priority issue. Right. Uh, we think that it has got to be uh, as, uh, as big as that, but it is never... This is never going to have, if I can uh, use vulgar language, it's never going to have the sex appeal right. of the climate change issue. Right. But it is a serious issue of justice. It is. Mm. And it is justice to poor people. It is justice uh, to, uh, uh, to poor nations uh, to help bring this about. The third thing is that uh, uh, people are only open to very serious persuasion when they feel uh, embarrassed, ashamed, and so on. And uh, we have to create an atmosphere in which governments and corporations uh, and uh, ordinary people feel that about this issue, as indeed our forebears did about chattel slavery yes, mm. and ended chattel slavery. It's interesting to say that. I, I would have hoped in the human race that the mere fact that someone's in slavery and that we can change it would evoke that kind of rage of justice in me and say, surely we, this cannot exist. But what you're saying seems to be that historically we've noticed that only shame brings yeah, about the change. No, but, but And remember what goes with shame. Shame only comes about when you uh, know something and you are observed right. as to your behaviour. Okay. Largely, people forget about this issue. Please understand the great mass of our citizens, Australians, and indeed most people in the Western world, are, if you confront them, they're anti-slavery. Yes. Yeah. They do not believe in slavery. But the opposite of anti-slavery is not pro-slavery, unless you are Boko Haram uh, <laughs> in, in Africa. Right. Mm. But 
The opposite is apathy and indifference. And what engenders that? The, a, a feeling, a, 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 a response that believes that nothing can be done about it. Right. Yeah. And that one is powerless, that your country is powerless in respect of this. One of the things that there is a real necessity to create is an atmosphere in which people believe this can be overcome. In other words, Pope Francis's point, we can win this. Right. We can win this. And it's not just the power that Australia has in pure buying power. It's the example it sets to the entire world. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. And uh, because of the 20 seven years or whatever it is of economic growth that we had just before the pandemic or right. down to the pandemic, um, uh, something apparently that had not been seen since the uh, uh, expulsion since, uh, from Eden, uh, the, uh, <laughs> uh, the Australian economy is about the 15th largest in the world. I mean, it's amazing for it 25 is. million people. Especially, yeah, we're wow. quite small. Yeah. But... All the major corporations of the world are down here. Right. And what are they doing? They're reporting. They are learning. He's a learning experience in itself. Right. All the internationals that are here are required to report. If you operate in the Australian atmosphere, it's this. Um, One, because of, uh, of the satisfaction it gives to various people, (laughs) <laughs> is uh, uh, is to know in the local area, for instance, 600 Kiwi companies have to report. They've got no <laughs> anti-slavery legislation themselves, but 600 Kiwi companies have got to report in Australia, in Australia yeah. on their activities, uh, not only in Australia, but in Australia and New Zealand yeah. and elsewhere. So, John, we're getting towards the end of our time. So what I wanted to ask very pointedly, is the the work of the anti-slavery task force is uh, obviously very important. But what about the average person listening to this? So this is a really big issue. What can they mm. actually do? What what can be done? Well, they can do three things. Number one, they can look at their own buying habits. Okay, and work towards uh, only buying goods and services that they know are slavery-free. Right, and they can in their look food, at that. And, and 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 they take steps to, in actual fact, do this. Mm-hmm. It's not easy, yeah, and it it can't cover everything, but you can make that attempt. Mm. The second thing is that organisations that you belong to, you can demand that they do the same, and thirdly, you are a citizen of this country. And the biggest procurement of goods and services is in your name. Yeah, right. And you can say to your own MP, what's happening? That's at federal and state level. What's happening? And how is this going to be ended? I don't want my money spent Mm. on goods and services that are produced by criminals through forced labour and slavery. And the third, that can be uh, uh, can be done is to take the matter to uh, uh, a uh, a next stage of being involved with your church of being involved with groups that will actually work to bring this about 
and to say to people, I want slavery to end. Mm. And I'd like to see that our generation brought this about, that, yeah. that, that, we, that we, were, we could at least say that we were as uh, equal to our forefathers who ended chattel slavery, that mm. when we knew how large the slavery was in the world, uh, through our governments, through our churches, through our own actions, we ended this mm. and we could see a, a definite uh, date and time when that happened, yeah. 2030. I think one of the, the big takeaways I, I get from this is that, I mean, that simple message of it can be done. Because as you said, so many people think that it, it can't be done and it does lead to apathy or just falling back into, well, comfort you know or also someone else could do it rather than me yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, and so this whole notion that it it has to be and and it's common sense that it has to be all of us together that does it um but the fact that the message that it can be done gives a lot of encouragement and power Mm. um in that message itself it's time to talk about it like to actually make it an issue as you said unless the the things are talked about unless they're brought out into the open and examined for what they are people don't usually respond as a whole that's probably what we've got time for in this week's podcast um i hope today's discussion's got you thinking and thinking about specifically what you can do and who you can prod and what can happen subscribe to the podcast at our website or check us out on twitter instagram facebook or discord right in, if you wouldn't mind, tell us what your experiences are, how you go about it, and look for the links in our show notes for the Good Buyers Guide. Was that, that what was the name of that? Good Buyers no, Guide? No, Shop for Good. Shop for Good. There you go. The Shop for Good Guide and for the link to the Anti-Slavery Task Force, the Archdiocese. Remember, this is a uniquely Australian Catholic podcast. Let's. This is an opportunity. Australians could be the world leaders in this. And in fact, we, we're on the way to being that. So it's a case of following through. We think that's a great idea just like we think this podcast is a great idea. We'll be back next week, but that's all for now. Thank you for listening to This Catholic Life.